0: Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We're a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoyed this week's message by Pastor Caleb Schaefer. Good morning. Man. Can we give it up to the worship team? Fantastic. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Revelations chapter 3 or Revelation chapter 3. i never forget one time I preached from Revelations and it was incredibly profound. And one comment at the end was, it's Revelation. It's like, cool, that's all you got out of it. Was that I messed up the S. <laughs> Appreciate that. Those people from here on out, Say, hey, you know, Betty is my sermon editor, so please go to her with those critiques. Thanks. Well, we're going to be in Revelation 3, and then after that we're going to go to Luke chapter 24. And I hope that what I'm able to go into kind of builds off of the momentum that worship has already produced. Uh, As Grant already said, we are... Week seven, or day seven, week seven, maybe it's felt like a week or <laughs> weeks to you, but we're in day seven of our 21 days of, of prayer and fasting. And when I was thinking about this, if we could kind of anonymously poll every single person in the room, every person would probably fall into one of four categories about how their reaction or, or their experience in this 21 days of prayer and fasting has gone. For instance, first category would be, be this. Everyone... Or this person would be, it's been smooth sailing. So far, so good. We have anybody that your fast for seven days has been smooth sailing. Anybody? Look at this. Everybody? Look, look, okay. The second category is it's been it's had its challenges, but I'm okay. Anybody? Okay. I, I want us to be a very honest and authentic church. So if this is you, please raise your hand on category three. Category three is, where is this going? Because I just don't know anymore. <laughs> Nobody raise your hand. I just don't know anymore. I, I'm done. How many of you have been fasting something this week and you contemplated changing it and you felt like the Lord was shifting you? Just, day four hit. And you were like, you know, I just sense the Lord is just moving me in a different direction. Here's category four. All of the above, depending on the day. Right? That's everybody. All of the above, depending on the day. Well, no matter what category you happen to fit in, I want to encourage you this morning that I really believe that Jesus wants to meet every single individual in the middle of this fast. He wants to meet you in the middle. As I was preparing this uh, message, I sensed from the Holy Spirit a passage of scripture uh, that I want to talk about today, but I just couldn't get this scripture out of my mind. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. I love what it says. The context is obviously speaking to all of the different churches in the book of Revelation, but I believe this scripture applies to us in our fast. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. I will come into him. It didn't say, I will come into your house. He said, I will come into him. We know that God habitates Or inhabits the heart. So when it says, I will come into him, this is a heart thing. He wants to come in on a heart level, and he wants you to have an encounter with him. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him, and he he will with me. I love that word, dine, in the Amplified translation. It says, restores. Restores. I will come into him, and I will restore him. What you have to understand here in the Jewish mind was that this was an intimate act. In the Jewish mind, and also we know this in really the American mind, you don't invite just anybody into your house to have a meal. There is a, there's a relationship, a difference in relationship, When you invite someone over to your house to eat with them, it's it's an act of intimacy to a degree. So in the Jewish mind, when they they saw this uh, written in the letter from John, that I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me, they knew it was about intimacy. 21 days of prayer and fasting is about intimacy increased with your Lord and Savior. It's about growing in intimacy with Jesus. It says, if you open the door, if you hear my voice, if you respond to me, then I will come in and I will restore you. He wants to restore us. He wants to refresh us. He wants to revive us. He wants to renew us. He wants to give us new power, new hope, new joy, new peace. In this time of 21 days of prayer and fasting, I want to encourage you with this, about this fast, Ralph Waldo Emerson said this. He said, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. The goal of this fast is not to finish it. And it's so easy when you're fasting to say, I can't wait for this to be over. Day one of this over, I'm gonna smash some chocolate and cookies. Like you're putting that, you're putting whatever you're fasting out in front of you as the carrot to get you through. It's not about finishing it. You know what the destination of this fast is? The journey. It's about what happens in the middle of the fast, in your relationship with Jesus. It's not about getting through it, receiving some sort of crown because you accomplished and finished 21 days. It's about the journey in the middle. Jesus wants to meet with us in the middle. Can I get an amen? But listen to me. If you're going to meet with him in the middle, you've got to open the door you got to respond to the knocking. He is knocking, but are you opening the door? Do you, know what, do you know what the knock is? The knock is a deeper invitation into deeper. It's not, the, 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 the goal, like I said, it's not finishing it. The goal is not just depriving yourself. It's responding to the invitation to go deeper. Have you found that your focus is solely on what you're fasting from? Is your focus mainly on just finishing? If these are your focuses, you might not be able to sense his knocking. Here's what I've come to discover this week, and uh, felt like this was just the Holy Spirit kind of impressing it upon me. But the moment I begin to desire what I am fasting from, I have learned that that is my opportunity to accept an invitation from Jesus to set the eyes of my heart on him. Yesterday, I'm, I'm, I'm fasting a, a couple of different things, two to three things, and one of the things I was so wanting yesterday, so one, I told my wife, I said, I miss it so much. And really, I told her because I wanted her to, like, say, it's okay, babe. Just go ahead and indulge. But she didn't. so I didn't get what I wanted from it, but... Here's what I found in that moment, that when I'm wanting what I'm fasting from, that's actually an open-door invitation from Jesus to set your focus on him. That's a knock. And so instead of doing what I wanted, I put on worship music. And you know what's amazing? My appetite for that died. Because I didn't go to it, I went to him. And as Psalms 107, nine verse, uh, verse 9 says, For he satisfies the thirsty soul, and the hungry soul he fills with what is good. Jesus wants to meet with you in this fast. He's knocking, but are you opening the door? If I had a title for this morning's message, it would be simply this, and I thought it was so interesting what Grant sang in worship. The title of the sermon is Accept the Invitation. She was saying, we invite you in. We invite you in. He can knock all day long. But if you don't open the door, you will not experience what a time of 21 days of prayer and fasting is supposed to be about. If you've got your, yourself ready, we're going to go ahead and pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what the Spirit has already said. And Lord, I know that there is a word for every person in this room, and it may not come out of my mouth, but thank God for your Holy Spirit. Thank, that you, thank God that you can speak what I can't speak. So God, I pray today that each and every one of us would, would, would accept the invitation. I pray that we would recognize the knocking. We would hear your voice. And God, we would open the door. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Turn with me to Luke chapter 24. We're going to look at Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 32, and we're going to stay here the rest of the sermon. God wants to meet us in the middle of this fast. I believe this story has everything to do with our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Let me give you a little bit of context. This is the exact day that Jesus rose from the dead. This this story is recorded the exact day that Jesus rose from the dead. And these two men are on a road going to a town called Emmaus. Now, Emmaus is about seven miles from Jerusalem. I believe that that has some symbolic significance. But they're about seven, it's about seven miles from Jerusalem. Uh, there's been a lot of people, archaeologists, that have tried to discover the exact location. Some actual locations that are more consistent with what the description of Emmaus is happen to be about 17 miles from Jerusalem. But nevertheless, it's seven miles at least away from Jerusalem. And these two men are heading to a town. Called Emmaus, one of the men's uh, man's names is Cleopas, and we don't know a whole lot about him. However, uh, some people believe that this was um, James the Less's uncle. Okay, if you have, how many of you watch Chosen? Okay, you know Big James and Little James. That's ja- Little James is James the Less. So Cleopas a lot of people believe, was James the Less's uncle. The other individual, other people believe, was actually Luke himself. But he wasn't going to be like John and be like, the one Jesus showed up to, the one that Jesus loved the most. So he just didn't even mention himself altogether. So according to those things, it's Cleopas and Luke. Regardless of whether or not those things are accurate, we know it's two men on a road to Emmaus. Can I get an amen? What you need to know about Emmaus is Emmaus is a Hebrew word that's significant. It means the burning place. The burning place. So these two men are on their way to the burning place. The reason why it was known as the burning place is because... It had natural, extremely hot springs. And so it had a reputation that people would travel to this place because of those hot springs. But it came from a Hebrew word that meant the burning place. I want you to note here, as we read this passage of scripture, where Jesus meets with them. He doesn't meet with them at the beginning of their journey or when they complete their journey. He meets with them right in the middle of it. Jesus was not going to wait till they completed their journey. He was going to meet with them in the middle. Listen, God is not going to wait till the end of your fast to reward you with his presence. Because if that was the case, it would be about a religious exercise. He's going to meet you in the middle of it. Matter of fact, He was eager after day one. He's knocking. Are you opening the door? So verse 13 says, And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about these things which had taken place. And watch this. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with him. Do you notice the eagerness of Jesus? Now, let's stop right here. Who else has he appeared to on day one of raising from the dead? Mary at the tomb. You know what I love is this. When you think you're not worthy of having an encounter with Jesus, when you think everybody else is Mary, guess what? We got two people... That for some reason Jesus was eager to meet with. That have no spiritual significance in the gospel narratives. What does that tell us? He's about going after everybody. Okay. You may not think you're Mary. That's fine. You can be a dude on a road. That is going to a place. And Jesus eagerly approaches them. This doesn't make sense to me. You're with Mary at your tomb. You have a conversation, and then this is where you go? He loves people so much. He's going after every single person. You know, we're going to talk about discipleship in the month of February, but you know one of the amazing things about discipleship in the Greco-Roman world? In the Greco-Roman world, teachers or disciples chose their teachers. Jesus chose his disciples. Disciples chose their teachers, but Jesus does it the opposite way. He chooses his disciples. Why? Because he loves people. And so they were, on this road, and they were talking about everything that had taken place. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling, to, tra- traveling with them. J- somebody say, Jesus met them in the middle. Say it again, Jesus met them in the middle. And then we see a fascinating note in Luke 16. It says, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. Their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. Now, what's interesting about this is that this scripture, often preachers take it and they just make it so elaborate and so complex and so spiritually deep. But what we actually see is after Jesus' resurrection, this happened on a couple of different occasions. Okay, It happened to Mary in John chapter 24, verse 14 and also to all of the disciples in chapter 21, verse 4. They could not necessarily recognize him. Okay, I don't necessarily know all of the reasons why they could not recognize him, but it says that they could not recognize him. Okay, Gandalf the gray was still Gandalf the white, though. Okay, It was still Jesus, but it says that they were kept from recognizing him. You may be thinking, how did they not know it was Jesus, He was right there with them. This wasn't the first time that this happened. Now, and this also doesn't prevent Jesus from being Jesus or God being God. Look at the whole scope of the Bible. Scripture tells us in Hebrews that we can entertain angels and not even be aware of it. What about Jacob going to sleep on a rock? has a dream, wakes up and says, surely God was in this place and I did not even know it. This is not outside of God's nature. So it is possible that God can be in something and we not know it. This wasn't like undercover boss. Jesus was an undercover boss, his people. Jesus didn't dress differently, and he was not disguising himself to them. No, it says that their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. You know what that tells me? It wasn't a Jesus problem, it was a them problem. Now, let's stop stop right here. You may be thinking, how, how could they not recognize Jesus? Here's my pushback question. How can you not recognize God's faithfulness in your life when everybody else can see it? Jesus does this to us all the time. You are in your life thinking that your world is falling apart and other people are looking at your life, praying and wishing that they could be in your situation because of how faithful God has been to you. It wasn't a Jesus problem. It was a them problem. How do your eyes prevent you from recognizing him when your expectation of what Jesus is going to do And how he is going to do it isn't met by your current reality. You become blind to recognizing where he is in the middle of it. I know this to be true. Here's the truth. All three of the the groups that Jesus approached after his resurrection were kept from recognizing him. And here's why. Because they did not expect for Jesus to show up after he died. Jesus dies, and they are devastated because the Messiah who was going to overthrow Rome is gone. And then he shows up. You will see whatever you expect. You will see whatever you expect. One of the things that I love about Pastor Dwight, and I'm hoping that in this fast I'll finally get there, is he expects God's favor on his life everywhere he goes. And you know what happens? He sees it. He he expects every time he gets on a plane to get an upgrade. (laughs) You will see whatever you expect. And these guys did not expect to see Jesus. These men couldn't see Jesus because they saw Jesus die on the cross. And with his death, their expectation of Jesus being the Messiah that would rule and reign over Rome had disappeared. So listen to me this morning. Because Jesus had failed to meet their expectations, they were now unable to recognize him in the moment. They did not see him because they did not expect to see him. Do you know what's crazy about life? When your world is swirling, everything in front of you gets blurry. Your kids will be there, but you don't even notice them. Your spouse will be there, but you don't even. When your world is turned upside down, things get cloudy and you don't even recognize what's in front of you. This is what was happening with them, but they were prevented from recognizing him. But what does this show us? This shows us that even when Jesus doesn't meet our expectations, he still keeps showing up. He still keeps coming after us. He still keeps being faithful because that's who he is. Oh God, would you give us eyes to see you even when we don't expect you to be in the middle of it? He meets them in the middle. Verse 16 says, But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. In verse 17, and he said to them, What are these words you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still looking sad. Verse 18, one of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of these things which have happened here in these days? You know what he was saying right now? This was the modern day equivalent. Where have you been? What have you been under a rock? Y'all didn't even get the Christian joke (laughs) because the dude was in a rock tomb. Come on. Where have you been? Under a rock? Well, yeah, for three days. I'm out now. But that's what Cleophas is saying. Bro, did you not? Where have you been? You've been hibernating? You've been sleeping? Did you not catch wind of what is going on? Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? In verse 19, and he said to them, what things? (laughs) I love, Jesus plays dumb. Well, what things are you talking about? And they said to him, the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word in the sight of God in all of the people, And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But here's where you see it. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Their expectation blinded their sight. We were hoping that he was going to heal me. Let's stop right here. I was hoping he was going to heal me, but his hand of blessing is on your money. I was hoping that I was going to get that promotion. But another job is right here. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Just because his hand doesn't touch everything in your life doesn't mean he's still there. In doing, It doesn't mean that he's not still there doing things in your life. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. So what that tells me is that they kind of knew that Jesus had alluded to some sort of resurrection. They just didn't know what it was going to look like. But also some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning. And did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of us, those who were with us, went to the tomb and found it just as they had said, or as the woman also had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O oh, foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. What was the issue here? They had a heart issue. They were slow of heart. You know what slow of heart is? It's another word for saying, you have a dull heart. You know what dull is? You can't feel or sense when God is doing something. You know what 21 days of prayer and fasting does? It restores your sensitivity in your heart. It allows you to see Jesus right in the middle of your life, and you've been blind the whole time. But because you got your flesh out of the way, you're now sensitive to how close he really is. He said, you're so foolish, you're dull in your heart. Do you not understand that this was the way things had to go? Was it not necessary, verse 26, for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? In verse 27, then beginning with Moses, woo, let's talk about this. Then, beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. What would that sermon have been like? Yeah, long. Jesus probably set it up like, we got a couple miles. You guys want to talk about this? Or I'll tell you a little bit about what that would have been like. What would it have been like to hear Jesus point to himself in every single book of the Old Testament? I don't think you're ready. In Genesis, he would have said, I am the creator and the seed of the woman who is the promised redeemer. In Exodus, he would have said, I am the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, I am the perfect spotless sacrifice. In Numbers, I am the water and manna in the desert that feeds my people. In Deuteronomy, I am he that becomes the curse for us. In Joshua, I am the commander of the army of the Lord. In Judges, I am he who delivers us from injustice. In Ruth, I am your kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, I am the prophet, priest, and king. In 1 Kings, I am a ruler greater than Solomon. In 2 Kings, I am the powerful prophet. In 1 Chronicles, I am the son of David that is coming to rule. In Second Chronicles, the king who reigns eternally. I'm going to sit down when I'm done with this list. Best believe it. We're going to have a halftime break. In Ezra, I am the priest proclaiming freedom. In Nehemiah I am the one who restores what is broken down. In Esther I am the protector of his people. In Job I am the mediator between God and man. In Psalms our song in the morning and in the night. In Proverbs our wisdom. Ecclesiastes our meaning of life. Song of Solomon the author of faithful love. Isaiah the suffering servant. Jeremiah in Lamentations the weeping Messiah. Ezekiel the son of man. Daniel the stranger in the fire. Hosea the faithful husband. Even when we write Away, Joel, he who is sending his spirit to his people, Amos, the burden bearer, Obadiah, the judge of those who do evil, Jonah, the forgiving God, Micah, he casts our sin into the sea of forgetfulness, Nahum proclaims future world peace that we cannot even imagine, Habakkuk, he is the cleansing fountain, Zephaniah, the restorer of the remnant, Haggai, the cleansing fountain, Zechariah, the pure son, and Malachi, the son of righteousness who brings healing in his wings, just Listen to me, just when you think you know all there is to know about who Jesus is, he's going to meet you in the middle of this time of fasting and reveal who he is to you in a fresh way. From beginning to end, it's all about him. Let me tell you about who I am in every single book that the prophets talked about. I love what Charles Spurgeon says. The fastest way to be spiritually rich in heavenly knowledge is to dig in this field of diamonds to gather pearls from this heavenly sea. He's talking about Scripture. He goes on to say when Jesus sought to enrich others, he worked in the quarry of Holy Scripture. These disciples were led to consider the best subject Jesus speaking about himself. Oh, for grace to study the Bible with Jesus as both our teacher and our lesson. So good. Do you think you know everything there is to know about God? There's more. They had just a glimpse. and Jesus shows up in the middle of the journey because he doesn't wait till the end He waits to the middle because the the destination is not the end. It's the journey. And he reveals himself in a way that they had never seen before. Moving on to verse 28. And they approached the village where they were going. And he acted as though he were going further. He acted as though he were going further. Now, another scripture that preachers can just make totally not what this was. Jesus, this was a a custom. Number one, what you have to understand is that these are not highways and byways. These are roads where thieves and robbers position themselves strategically to look for the single people going alone as prey. So people, even if they didn't know each other, they would come together, and they would travel from one spot to another spot together. And whenever someone got to their destination, they would, conti- they would do this. They would just continue to go along. Why? Because no one likes anybody that invites themselves in. I know. As a kid, I would call other people and ask them if I could spend the night at their house. And you know what happened? I lost friends. You don't mind me inconveniencing you? What? So when Jesus acts as if he he was going further, this is a Middle Eastern custom. Because nobody, listen, nobody was in the business of imposing themselves on other people when they got where they were going. It was a traveling But let me just tell you this, that in this 21 days of fasting and prayer, Jesus is not going to impose himself on you. Jesus is a gentleman. You know what that looks like? I'm not going to break my way in. I'm just going to wait for you to open the door. You can have as much of me as you want you just got to accept the invitation. So Jesus acts as if he he was going further. It's probably like, hey, that sermon was the bomb, right? Okay, I'll see you guys later. And they're like, no, 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 no. Stay with me. I have to imagine that Jesus, as he was walking away, the moment they said, no, please come in, he got a grin. You know why? Because going in was his goal. I'll go, I'll go on if you don't want me, but I want you to want me, okay? He's not going to impose himself on you, but they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. He who opens the door, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He who opens the door to me, I will come into them, and I will refresh them. So he went in to them. Verse 30, when he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. What? It's Jesus. They probably, the whole time they've been walking with Jesus, they get their break bread. They're eating the bread like, man, this is good. Jesus. Why? Why would Jesus go that whole way and then vanish from their sight? Look at verse 32. They said to one another, ah, were not our hearts burning? Were not our hearts burning? Watch this. Were not our hearts burning when he was sharing the scriptures with us? Were not our hearts burning when he was teaching us about himself? Were not our hearts burning when we were walking along the road while he was speaking to us and while he was explaining the scriptures to us? Then verse 33, And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the disciples, gathered them together, the eleven and those that were with them. Turn to somebody and say, accept the invitation. If I could have James come forward. Play the keys. Three things Jesus does. Three things Jesus does when we accept the invitation, when we open the door and invite Him into our heart in the middle of this fast. Number one, He will leave you with a greater hunger for Him. He'll leave you with a greater hunger for him. I was reading that passage about they opened the bre- uh, they broke the bread and everything, and then he vanished. And I asked the Holy Spirit, why did he leave as soon as the bread was broken? And this is what the Holy Spirit said, because he wanted them, he wanted to leave them wanting more. There is never going to be a revival in this life that will fully satisfy you, because he will always leave you wanting more. You'll experience God in amazing ways, and you'll say, oh my gosh, that was so good. My soul and spirit are revived and renewed and refreshed. I gotta have that again. I don't like that Jesus is like Aslan. Just when things get good, you got to leave. But he will always leave you wanting more. The more that he leaves you with that desire to want more is just because you've caught a glimpse of heaven on earth. He will leave you wanting more. He will vanish and he will go. The Spirit will move and flow in a service and in a sanctuary and in the inner sanctuary of your own house when you respond to the knocking and let him in. He will flow and move in your life and you will want him to stay like Peter, James, and John on the mountain of transfiguration saying, God, I will build a tent. Just stay here with me. And then he'll leave and leave you more hungry for him I think it's funny sometimes how churches try to grab a hold of revival and keep it. I'm all about revival, but I know, as Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, the wind blows wherever he wants to. It moves when you don't want it to move. Why? because he always wants to leave you more hungry for him. So at that moment, he vanished. When you accept the invitation in the middle of this fast to fellowship with him, he will leave you wanting more. He will leave you with a greater hunger for him. Just this week, I got a revelation in reading scripture that I've never had, and I told Allison this is... This is the best revelation on this topic I've ever had in my entire life. And you know what it left me? Wanting more. It was actually the fuel to read the scripture again. Because I'm like, man, that was so good. I want something else. He will always leave you wanting more. Every encounter with Jesus does two things. It satisfies your hunger and then makes you more hungry. Why? Because hunger fuels passion. Second thing that happens when you invite him in, when you accept the invitation, your heart will burn with a greater passion for him. They said, were not our hearts burning for him? Listen, a burning heart is a heart that is consumed by the God that is a God of consuming fire. It is a burning heart. It's what keeps you up at night. It's what wakes you up in the morning. A burning heart. For a burning heart, listen, spiritual discipline is a delight. Worship isn't a set list. It's a lifestyle. A heart that is burning is not satisfied. It's not satisfied with the status quo. As Jeremiah 20 verse 9 said, your word It's like a fire shut up in my bones. I can't hold this inside. If there's anything that Jesus wants for you in the middle of this 21 days, he wants to leave you with a heart burning for him. Let me encourage you as you spend time with Jesus. Pray until you burn. Read until you burn. Worship until you burn. Spend time with him until you burn. Until you can't get any more, you can't get enough. Worship, pray, spend time with him until you start to burn. Because the burning is when you know you've been with him. Your heart will burn with a greater passion for him. Ho, oh. By the way, where were they going? They were going to the burning place. When you accept the invitation, you don't have to go to a burning place. You become one. I heard there's revival at this other place. I need to go to get impartation. No, you don't. Accept the invitation from the Holy Spirit to fellowship with him, and you'll become a burning place and no longer have to go to one. You won't have to go to another conference because you don't need the conference to give you what Jesus gave you when you fellowshiped with him. Let me tell you, in the body of Christ, your intimate time with Jesus is enough. You don't need a conference hop. Where's the church with the most fire? Stop it. He wants to make you fire. He wants to set you on fire. He's a God of consuming fire, which means his burning feels good and hurts at the same time. He burns the chaff out of you, but he sets you passionately on fire for him at the same time. Promise you that if you accept the invitation, you will burn with a greater passion for him. And lastly, I love this. He will give you the strength to run through the darkness. These men went seven miles with Jesus in the daytime, and they turned in as soon as it got dark. They invited Jesus in, spent time with him, broke the bread, he vanishes, and then scripture says in verse 30, and at that very hour, in the middle of the darkest moment, they had no street lights, they didn't have a cell phone to light their way, they went seven hours in the pitch dark to go back and tell the other disciples in Jerusalem what they had just experienced. You know what that means is it will not matter how dark culture gets. It will not matter how dark your personal life may get. If you fellowship with Jesus, it will give you a strength to run through the darkness no matter how dark it gets. You won't be tripped up on what other people get tripped up on. You will not get discouraged about what other people are getting discouraged about. Because you have a strength because you've been with him and your heart is burning. They weren't even afraid to go in the dark. They went into the darkness with a strength. Didn't matter how dark it got. You've heard this said if you've been in church long enough, the darker things get, the lighter the church is supposed to get. Yep. When you fellowship with him, you get the strength to be in the middle of the darkness and shine. It says at that hour, they took off and went back to Jerusalem seven miles in the dark. Isaiah 40, 31 says, the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Your ability to run the race of faith will not be affected by how dark culture gets. You accept the invitation and open the door to his knocking. He will leave you with greater hunger. You will burn for him. You will have a greater strength to run through the darkness. You just got to accept the invitation. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listened to this teaching from God's word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.